This is the My New Norm podcast, and I'm your host, Barry Scott Young. Would you believe this is the last episode of season one? Stay tuned at the end for more on that. When thinking about our progress or how much we are growing, ask yourself, is my strategy or plan really working? Am I getting closer to where I want to go? If not, it's time to change the plan. In this episode, we'll talk about changing your plans to change. You'll hear from a good friend of mine, Steve Finch. He's a husband, a father, mentor, life and leadership coach, and soon to be a fellow podcaster. Here's a great conversation that will provide insight to understanding men in conflict or providing insight to men when encountering crisis and conflict. So get ready. This is a good one. We're going to be dealing with changing your plans to change. So before we get in all that stuff, Steve, I would like to know a little background where was your home growing up? My home growing up was right here in San Diego, California. No. Native. I, yeah. I'm a native. I was born in La Mesa. Oh, in uh, the year great year of 1954. Nice. And there was and there was no Grossmont Hospital. <laughs> and it was a small little hospital located on La Mesa Boulevard. Actually, really? it's just down the street from where the Little Flower Haven convent was, if you remember that. It's now an apartment complex there. Oh, boy. But it's still there, and uh, it's a, like a convalescent center is what it is yeah. now. Wow, I did not know that. My wife is a, a native La Mesian, too, so there's not too many of you now. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a limited edition yeah. there. <laughs> uh, well, what kind of kid were you? So growing up as a kid, I you know I was uh, I ran around Paradise Hills, had friends just like everybody else, enjoyed playing football in the street and riding bikes. And the only rules were is is that you need to let your parents know where you were going, and you had to be in the house when the street lights came on. Wasn't that typical back then? Now, we we find that kids are in the house all day. <laughs> they don't go out, not even to get the mail. Whole yeah, very much time. so. Yeah. Oh, my. Well, we go back to, um, I want to say, let's see, when did we meet? It was at Faith Chapel, probably. What Do you remember the year? Was mm. it in the 80s or 90s? It would have been in the 90s. Okay. It would have been in the 90s. We had been attending another local church here in San Diego. My son was just going into high school, and he was looking to be involved in some kind of ministry because he had taken up the uh, skill of guitar playing ah. and needed an opportunity to play in a worship band. And so we landed at Faith Chapel, and the next thing I knew— 
our friend Scott Ar- Archer scooped him up. Uh, about the second or third week we were there, the youth had their Sunday night services, and they were the ones responsible for leading the worship. And usually Scott preached, and that, that happened, I think, once a month. Wow. And they had him on the stage, uh, I think, the second or third week that we were in attendance there. And I figured, <laughs> if you're going to give my kid this opportunity, you, you got him and you got me as a deal. That's great. Now, you kind of focused on men, right? Yeah, I served 16 years there as the men's ministry pastor at Faith Chapel. So I actually met you when we moved back to San Diego in 91, right in there. We were in San Antonio. So I met you when we moved back. I've always appreciated your heart for working with men and uh, uh, mentoring and it's funny, our paths have taken us from ministry to, to coaching. It was kind of a natural progression. So you and your wife have been basically in Southern Cal this whole time. No, we actually took a quick little detour from San Diego right after we got married. We got married in 75. Uh, March of 75. So we left here before the end of the year and moved to a little place called Cedartown, Georgia. Oh, my. Which is just a spit and a holler down the road from where you're yeah, at. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we were there for about a year, year and a half. My son was born in Rockmart Aragon Hospital, which is no longer there. Okay. It's a, it was a one-story hospital, and he was born there. And then from... Cedartown, we moved to Louisville, Kentucky, where I went to school at the Boyce, Boyce Bible School. It's now Boise University. So, But you made it back to San Diego sometime. Yes, I did. After I, the winter of 1977-78 in Louisville was the worst cold and snow on record to date. Man. I was working as a... Uh, snowplow driver on the seminary maintenance crew and I was out plowing at about three o'clock in the morning in minus 60 below wind chill factor wow. and I had an epiphany and I told my wife when I got home I said we're moving back <laughs> home and she goes oh great we're gonna go back to Cedartown because that's where all her family's from oh, and I my. said no we're moving back to San Diego I can't take the cold anymore <laughs> Oh, well, I know what that is all about now, <laughs> being here. Yes, you're getting it first experience. Uh, uh, well, Steve, there there has been um, a lot of talk about how people the last year or two have been adjusting to uh, disappointments to changes. Some of them have been able to restart very quickly. Some are stuck. If one wants to change and what they're doing isn't working, what type of things can we talk about to change their plans so that change occurs? And while you're thinking about that, I thought today, many times we get a plan together but we never re-examine uh, what's going on with the plan. I think it's healthy for us to set a plan in place 
and also adjust the plan so we can get there. So sometimes it's not just having a plan. Sometimes it's adjusting the plan. So with some of your conversations and training, um, let's, let's get into a conversation to help our listeners move ahead to achieve and to change. If you're going to start with a plan, it would probably be a good idea to identify exactly where it is that you are wanting to go so that you know when you arrive. Good. I can I can tell you that starting with the end in mind is probably a good place to begin. Mhm. Perfect. So you're talking about the 3 A's um Awareness, adjustment, achievement. And in that awareness, you really need to find out where you want to go and what are you going to do to get there. Exactly. I think that when you begin the process of planning, you have to be able to identify first and foremost where you're at. So a lot of people find themselves stuck because they have not taken the time to make an accurate and truthful assessment of where they find themselves. They only know a couple of things. One, I'm not being able to make any progress, or maybe they feel I've, I've really squandered my potential. I'm not living up to it. Yeah. And then second, you have to be able to say, I want to get from where I'm at to where I need to go. And so you have to identify a point B or if you want a point D and you can do a B and a C in between. But Mm -hmm. the idea being is, is that if you can't make an accurate assessment of where you find yourself and being truthful with that, then trying to make a plan is going to be futile. I see. So at what point does one call on you as a, as a coach to say, I need some insight, another set of eyes on me to find out what I'm doing or what I need to do. At what point do they call someone like you? Oh, that's a really good question. I wish I could tell you that they call me early on <laughs> when things are, are not necessarily in a crisis mode. But to be honest with you, in my experience, particularly with most guys, that's what I, you know, for 16 years worked with and closely was able to counsel and coach. It's usually because it's a crisis situation and they know they don't have any idea of where they're needing to go. Mm. They just know they need help, that things are falling apart and things are completely out of control and they don't know where to go to begin to get a handle on things. Wow. So when we're saying we're talking tonight, for instance, to someone who's stuck, probably discouraged, what they want doesn't exist and they don't know how to get there. What are, what are the, some of the things that you would say? Well, first I would give them the opportunity to tell me how they got to where they were at. I think sometimes we will put ourselves in a place of denial mm-hmm. and we try to justify where we find ourselves and why things have gone wrong. So we can need to sit down and say, okay, so how did you get to where you're at and how long has this been happening? Most of the time I find out, at least with guys, they like to put things on automatic pilot and they let it go until things start, the wheels start falling off the wagon, so to speak. Or when they start to turn the wheel, nothing happens or responds. And usually by that time, it's pretty far gone. Uh, Isn't that true? Well, I heard it said, and I think it was Henry Cloud, we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same 
becomes greater than the pain of changing. I think we're all there at times. I've heard that quote by Henry Cloud, great author and and counselor and coach himself. You know, I think that for a lot of guys, they are in a comfort zone. Like I say, they're on on automatic pilot. They're in their comfort zone. And they don't really like change. They don't want to see change. They, the, the change is something that they will avoid at all costs sometimes. Mm. And I think that sometimes they find themselves in a comfort zone and they will would rather stay there rather than rock the boat and get out. And so, yeah. That's, yeah, even when things are not going well, they would rather stay in that comfort zone because they know that place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing of it is, is there's a, there's a quote, and I can't tell you who said it, but in regards to the comfort zone, because the only way you're going to grow is to get out of your comfort zone. That means change is going to have to happen. And if you want growth, you're going to have to have change. So here's the saying goes, there's no growth in the comfort zone. And there's no comfort in the growth zone. Oh, say that again. Well, there's no growth in the comfort zone. You can stay there and be comfortable. But if you decide to get out, realize that it's not going to be comfortable when you go to the growth zone. Change is going to happen. Things are going to have to move. Great point. You reminded me um, probably one of the first books coming out of high school that uh, influenced my thinking. I think it was called uh, Living on the Growing Edge by um, Michael McDonald. He said, growth doesn't take place until we leave our secure and go to the unsecure. And that's, I think that's why people get stuck because it's a familiar place New growth is not familiar because we've not been there yet. And and sometimes we would rather stay where we are, even though it's not helping us. So I really hope that we have listeners listening so it helps them to have awareness of where they are, awareness of where they want to be, and the guts to to say, you know what, I'm going to get there. If I have to get a coach or talk to a friend, uh, I want to get there. It's risky to move to a place of awareness. Mm. Uh, We don't like to move from where we're at. And to sit down and be self-aware is risky. It means that you run the risk of exposing yourself and somebody else seeing you and your failures for what they really are. It takes courage to be vulnerable. It takes courage to be in that place. Brene Brown has written books about this whole thing. The courage that you have to have in order to be vulnerable and taking the risk, being bold enough to take the risk to become self-aware is a is an important part of the journey, a necessary part of the journey, or you can stay where you're at and live in the crisis. I, and even myself, I and I realize I am a work in progress, even as a coach. And the thing of it is, is that helping others to go to a place of understanding their awareness and where they are and making an assessment of that, helping them get there is easier than doing it even with myself. Sure, sure. Well, we've always uh, said that 
people that are in the helping people business are usually the ones that need help <laughs> in some way or another. Okay, I just told them myself. This is, this is, this is, this is true. This is truth in my case as hey, well. <laughs> we can edit that out, huh? There you go. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, my. There is such a, unfortunately, too many places for us to hide. I wish we had some type of meter that could read where we are, where our friends are, because we certainly don't hear it. We They hide it too well. And I know that we're really capable of doing that. Um, what would you say to those that are frustrated, bordering on depression, because um, they've kind of tried some things and they have fallen way too much and they don't have enough strength to get up. What would you say? Wow. Well, a person that finds themselves at that place has to begin at least somewhere. Start, like I say, starting with the plan, getting a very accurate understanding of what's going on and where they're at. My encouragement would be to begin looking for somebody that you can trust. Mm. Uh, anything that you're going to gain out of, say, a coaching experience or a counseling session or whatever it is, you're going to have to trust the person that you're looking to help you. And I can, I can help you by having you do different things. But if you aren't trusting me mm-hmm. and understanding that I'm there to help you and want to see you succeed as much as I want anything for myself, then you know, that's that's the first place is to begin building a relationship with somebody that you can trust. There's probably two things. One, if that doesn't happen, they continue to hide and they're not transparent. Yeah, they're not transparent with you or I, but and they're not transparent with themselves oh. because they will just literally um, draw back and they'll just, like you say, hide that because they have maybe shame or they're feeling shame is the biggest thing. A lot of guys won't share because they don't want you to see them as weak. They don't want you to see them as a failure. They have an image that they must preserve. And because of that, they will not drop down that armor Mm -hmm. that they have put up in the place of preservation. They won't drop it down, become vulnerable until they trust you. Yeah. Man, unfortunately, guy friends, we tend to help them minimize things. We don't want them to be uncomfortable because we don't want to be uncomfortable. And so we help them minimize it things instead of hitting things square on. Yeah, and I and I, I would totally agree with you on that, Barry. You, the, the thing, I think men have a tendency to withdraw as an act of preservation on their part. We don't want to become too close to anybody that might get a good look at who we really are. And so I know that that is an uncomfortable place to be. And I know that that's probably the beginning part place for you to be able to get to where you need to go. The beginning points as a coach, 
it makes me uncomfortable to have to take them there or go with them there. And that's part of the journey as a coach is to ask questions, to draw out from them. I'm thinking that most people know what they've done. They know how they've gotten to where they're at. They just haven't taken time to sit down and make the assessment. Hmm. And then and then they turn around and begin to, to see, answer the questions that you're asking them in truth. Then they can see exactly where they need to go. They have the answers oftentimes inside of them. You just need to draw it out. Uh, Steve, when you're coaching someone or counseling, at what point do you recognize that this guy, whatever, needs to move on with the skills, the tools? I feel like I'm doing it for him. At what point do you shut it down and go, listen, instead of every week, let's meet once a month and then maybe reevaluate? Yeah, if I see somebody, I've given them an assignment to do and they're struggling with it and they're not making any progress, they come back the next week and I do a little accountability check to find out exactly how are they doing. More in line of how much progress they've done, how much time have they taken to look at it and work through it. And if I'm seeing that, Week after week, after about two or three weeks, I will usually make a suggestion about, hey, let's sit down and take smaller chunks. Oftentimes, the key to being an effective coach is realizing that sometimes you're going to ask questions that people are going to have to take a little bit of time to work through and process through. And I think that sometimes we lose sight of the fact that it may be like drinking from a fire hose. Right, right. <laughs> and, right. and we need to just give them an opportunity to like, turn back the pressure a little bit and Do let them sipping. work through some things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give, uh, you know, move to a sippy cup that, if yep. that works. <laughs> so, some progress is always better than no progress, my friend. There's so many resources out there, so many voices. Are there some that have been helpful for you and your practice? Yeah, John Maxwell is probably the the foremost person that I go to. I'm part of the John Maxwell team. Mm-hmm. I've gone through his certification, and I have found myself going back to a number of his textbooks. Um, my certification process that I went through in the notebook that I have where I've gone through all of the different classes, I'm constantly going back and referring to those. It's because I know that I need to have those things fresh in my mind to help others, but to even do them myself. What would be a book to help a guy with either leadership in his home or personal growth? Do you have any references? The ones that I would recommend to somebody who's looking first for personal growth First one, of course, I've got two two books by this guy, and you'll know why. <laughs> the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth mm. by John Maxwell. And it says, live them and reach your potential. And uh, he gives you 15 different laws of growth. Great book. In fact, I have some friends who are doing masterminds in this book all the time. This one is very, very new. It's called Built Through Courage by Dave Hollis, and it's it's Face Your Fears to Live the Life You Were Meant to Be. Hmm. And he says the whole, the whole premise is, is that the ships are safe when they're in the harbor, but that's not what ships were made for. Ah, uh, great. This is, a, this is a classic, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, Stephen R. Covey. 
Yeah. Because you got his sons uh, involved in this. This book I go to, this is my go-to book for a lot of mm-hmm. different things that people find themselves in, and particularly in regards to effectiveness and leadership. And then the last one is another John Maxwell called Leadership. Hmm. And it's the 11 essential changes every leader must embrace. And then we was talking about change. And yeah. so there are 11 essential changes that have to happen in order for you to be effective as a leader. And you got to embrace that change. Good. Sounds like uh, some great resources. Where do you see the greatest need if you were to come alongside, say, men what are some of the greatest things that need to be talked through? I think the things that probably need to be addressed with most men today are two things. One is connecting. Most men don't have any close friends that they have connected with, that they do stuff with. Fine, You know, when we were growing up as kids, you had your best friends and there were you know, I think of the guys that I ran around with, uh, Jim and Danny and Tim, and, we, you know, we were all together for every, every day after school, at school, and, and we grew up in the same neighborhood, played football together, played Little League baseball together, and these were my buddies. These were yeah. the people that I ran around with. We don't, we lose that somewhere along the line. We get into college and then we, we lose the ability to make relationships and connections. And so if, if you're one that finds himself struggling, I would say find somebody that you can connect to. When you connect with somebody at that level, you begin to trust them. And we kind of talked about that just sure. a little bit ago. The other thing that I would uh, say would really need to have uh, some work done on as for for men is communication. We don't communicate very well. Mm. We've lost the art of communicating. I would say that most guys probably don't communicate well with other men, and some of them really struggle in a very Uh, intense way of even communicating with their wife and their kids. I have noticed that us guys are not real transparent when we are actively going through something. We almost want to wait until we've gone through it to talk about it. And that might be because the way we're wired is We don't want to show weakness. We would rather do it ourselves, by ourselves, like going into a cave and come out of the cave ready to share about it, but not during. Do you find that to be very true? Absolutely. We we want to be able to go through the whole program and get to the end to see how it's going to work out. You never know. You might, well, they say even a blind squirrel finds a nut. (laughs) <laughs> every once in a while right. or a broken clock is right twice twice a day <laughs> twice a day <laughs> so you know maybe may, just maybe what they had planned or the things that they're working on are going to actually work out it's usually not until we get to a place of real crisis that we all of a sudden realize you know what i'm in way way over my head and this has gone off the rails i've you know, we finally get to the point where we have to admit that I've I've allowed this to go 
so long that I can't do this on my own and we have to ask for help. Yeah. I used to say to my clients, my kind of coaching is like scaffolding. Uh, I'll come alongside of you. I'll, I'll provide some strength and some direction, but you've got to do the work. We can climb up high, but it's more like scaffolding. It's not me or you doing it. And I have found that to be true. We may have the right answers, the right resources, but if our client or our friend is not ready or willing, it does no good. So there has to be a, not only awareness, but a willingness to say, I need some help. I would like to move out from where I am and into a different place. What are some of the things that are in your brain that you would like to share about helping people? Maybe it's a friend that has a friend who needs help and he doesn't know quite what to do. Well, I would certainly say that usually when it's, they're coming and sharing a friend of a friend, it's usually them <laughs> yeah. that they're talking right. about. Right. Tonight is a real question. <laughs> you know, I think the first place that we have to come to is, is like, say, the recognition of where you're at. And then like sit down and say, hey, look, we're going to have to talk a little bit about what you're going to need to do to see this change happen there. We're going to have to make some adjustments. And as you, their analogy of scaffolding is awesome. That's great analogy. In fact, I may use that. I'm mm -hmm. gonna, if, if you don't mind, I'll, you I think it. I almost steal it from you. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would agree th that I can come alongside of you. I can help you because I've been up on the sca scaffolding to a higher level than you have been. And I can show you how to get there. And the areas that might be precarious or frightening for you are things that I can help you to work through. But like you say, it has to happen with the person and they have to be willing to do the work. And this is one thing that I have found with most guys is that they aren't willing to do the work because they know it's going to take energy and it's going to take time. And it's going to mean that I get a change and it means that I got to get out of my comfort zone and all the things that we've talked to and talked about, you know, guys are going to be finally getting to the place where they don't know where to go and they finally come to you. And unfortunately, that is it takes so much time, preliminary work to get to the root of the matter, the truth of the matter and get a full assessment of the situation that they find themselves in mm. that they you know if they could have just come to you a little bit earlier then you could have eliminated a lot of that man so true well we've been talking about guys one reason is the discussions about guys or men is the women have this down they will call up a friend and uh, they're really good at being transparent, asking for help. Guys, like we mentioned, tend to be disconnected, not wanting others to see that they need help, which is a sign of weakness, <laughs> you know. Yeah, women usually find themselves in a place that they are frustrated. 
because of the situation that they find themselves in. Most of the frustration that exists that I've had to address is as, be, as a result of the guys not responding ap- mm. appropriately. And they're not, maybe they're not communicating well with their wives, or maybe they're not establishing the family as a priority in their lives. Maybe they're, we had been talking about this earlier, maybe they find themselves, you know, in gaming and doing all this stuff to avoid the realities of the things that they find themselves in. Anything to escape from the situation. By that time, the women are getting really frustrated. And, you know, I I would agree wholeheartedly with you that women really do have the uh, corner on this. Uh, They know how to communicate. They know how to talk. They have friends. They get to the place a lot of times that men are very reluctant to go to. They just sit there and they just tell it as it is and say, hey, I... I can't live with this. Sometimes if a, if a woman does that, you know, she doesn't necessarily need you to tell her exactly what she needs to do. She just wants somebody to hear her. Yeah. She wants to know uh, that she's being heard. And that so goes back true. to the communication element again. Most of the frustration, most of that frustration with the women comes from the fact that they're not communicating effectively with their husband because he doesn't, you know, hasn't garnished or gained the skills yeah. to be able to communicate. We, we've got guys, we got to work at it. Gals, yeah. I'm sure you'll appreciate it if we did. Yeah. Oh, my. In coaching, I know at the end of a session, I would always have, like you said, an assignment or a takeaway or a step to follow until we talk again. What type of uh, assignment? Would you give our listeners today maybe one or two things to start? Don't be afraid of change. Be bold enough and have the courage to be able to identify what needs to be adjusted and needs to be tweaked, so to speak, and begin the process of making those changes. One thing I want to tell you is do not feel like you have to do this within the next 45 minutes. Mm. Take your time. If it's a big project, make it into small little chunks. And as the old adage goes, you how do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time. So make those steps smaller. That way you'll see s- small wins along the way. Mm-hmm. And that will, in turn, boost your confidence to continue going as you get into much deeper uh, details and you're having to really work through the deep work. Uh, successes, even in the smallest sense, will be the things that will keep you going. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for sharing. I have a few questions that I would like to ask you. What favorite quote comes to mind that you love? Well, I've got this one on a plaque that sits on my desk over here. Attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. Mm. And I can't tell you who said it, but I love that. Attitude Mm. is a little thing that makes a big difference. Wow. That's a good one. What do you think you're really, really good at? Wow. That's a really good question. I think having empathy and caring about people and wanting to be there to help them. When I see someone who finds themselves in a crisis begin to see things happen and resolution begin to come, maybe a marriage is healed, 
Maybe a relationship with their children is resolved. It's an, any number of things. When I see that happen, I get energized. And it energizes me from the standpoint of that, that if I can be used in some some even insignificant way to see a person become better and live into the potential that they have within themselves, then I've done what I need to do. That's great. What would you tell yourself at 15 years old today? What would you tell yourself when you were 15? Apply yourself, do the best that you can, know that you are enough just as you are, and shoot for the stars. If you shoot for the stars, you just might hit the moon. (laughs) And also invest in Amazon. (laughs) Invest in Amazon, yes. Or I guess the big thing now is cryptocurrency, but don't ask me anything about it because I you and me both. I'm, a, I'm, in the, I'm in the dark when it comes to crypto. Uh, Can't help you. Thinking back, what would you say was your best vacation ever? Ah, Yosemite National Park. Mm. My wife and I went up there. It's been a few years now, but we stay at a place called Yosemite View Lodge. It's an El Portal right outside of the gate to Yosemite. It's on the Merced River. We got a second floor room. It had a fireplace and a little balcony out there. And you can sit there and watch the the water go by. It's rapids is what it is. Mm. It's a beautiful setting. Went into Yosemite and spent some time hiking there. My wife and I were making our way towards Yosemite Falls, upper and lower Yosemite Falls. And as you go down the trail or the asphalt uh, trail that they have there going to the to the falls there was a bench and my wife is a big fan of dogwood trees and so she mm. loves dogwood trees so i told her i said hey you go out and have your fun with you know finding dogwood trees mm-hmm. i'm gonna sit here on this bench for a while she said okay so she off she ran you know she, off doing her thing and i'm i'm sitting there and Barry, I'm looking at the falls, and I'm thinking as I'm watching this water cascading as a torrent off of the Yosemite Falls, because this was in spring, I'm thinking, how much water is going over that fall every minute? How much is going over every hour? Mm. How, many, how many gallons are going over every day? How many going over every week, every month? For how many months? And then you realize just how insignificant you really are in the scheme of things. That it's a beautiful world that's been created for us to enjoy. And I think when I look up into the sky or I see Yosemite Falls when it's thundering as loudly as it does when it's at full, mm-hmm. full speed, that I understand that, you know what, uh, I've been given a great gift to be able to enjoy not only nature but other people and enjoy life to its fullest. Thanks for sharing. Steve, I want to ask you, what are you working on right now? I hear you may uh, be working on a podcast. Yeah, well, if I put it out there, I guess I'm going to have to do something about it. So let's uh, let's let's go ahead and do this, Barry. My plan is, is in the month of March, I will begin a beginning my own podcast called Kinetic Coaching Podcast. My website's KineticCoachingSD for San Diego.com. You can reach me there. Or I'm on Facebook, Steve Finch, or on Instagram. Uh, I don't do Twitter much anymore, but mm-hmm. I am on those two social media platforms. So, yes, I, I'm looking forward to doing that. It'll be a, a, a podcast about life 
and leadership. Great. Well, I look forward to that. I just want to say thank you, Steve, for your willingness to share and just your gift with people over the years. I don't think you know uh, and may never know the influence and the um, the power given to individuals that have walked through some difficult times with you giving guidance and having a heart to help. It's really, really been evident. And I thank you for being on today. And I look forward to having some other chats with you on and off the mic. Thank you, Barry, for having me. It's been a, a real privilege and honor to be able to be on this, what is your final episode for season one. And the invitation is very much appreciated. I look forward to even having you on as a guest on my own podcast. So yes, we will be speaking again together soon on and off the mic as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. Wow. Did you hear it? There's no growth in the comfort zone and no comfort in the growth zone. Wow, that's powerful stuff for all of us today. I hope you find the strength and courage to move towards your new place of change. Find a friend that you trust to talk to or maybe a life coach. Well, as promised, at the start, this has been the last episode for season one. The good news is there will be a new season starting in just a few weeks. I am so excited about this new season. We have focused on change versus same in season one. In season two, we will focus on new thinking, new norm. I hope you continue to listen and invite those you know to join us. This is the My New Norm podcast, the podcast to help you foster change 